Hello and welcome everybody for a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. I'm Aurelien. I'm here with Glenn and Darcy. Today we will be discussing, we'll be talking about uh, contractors, our experience with the um, contractors and, uh, you know, tips and uh, ideas of how to best use them. And today, why don't you get us starting, uh, Darcy? All right. It's good. I was trying to think of a good way to describe my relationship with contractors. And I came up with this, although my staff said, no, come on, because they're, but you'll see why. Uh, I think contractors are like mother-in-laws. Uh, you can have a good one or a bad one, but they're necessary. They're part of the process. So if you want to be married, you're going to have contractors. If you want to be married, you're going to, or if you're going to do this business, you're going to have contractors. If you want to be married, you're going to have a mother-in-law and they can be all over the place. Really different. Um, I've had a mixed relationship with them. There's a handful that have turned my life into misery um, and others that have performed spectacularly and on, the, on their backs and the backs of my good managers are our successes. Um, so I have to say that for the most part, it's been really positive, but I do have a couple of guidelines that I use. And one of them is the speech that I we talk about that I, my first contact with them with their managers and then I want all their guys around me or guys that's kind of gendered, but all their employees around me when we have the speech and the speech is this, do not talk to my tenants beyond saying good morning and goodbye. That's it. I've had such a bad experience with them running their mouths in front of tenants saying what they would do, what should be done, what should be replaced, what they think of this. Um, most contracts, they want to rip everything out. I mean, it would be easier to just, rip the thing back to the studs and then take it right down to the ground and pour a new for a foundation. Um, that would ensure work for them for 16 months. What I asked them to do is fix a countertop or fix a tap set or replace a toilet. Um, so my first rule is if you talk to my tenants, I can't keep you, I can't keep you using you. So this is what it's going to look like. Even if you have low self-esteem and you need my tenants to, you know, tell you how great and smart you are, I'm going to do that for you at the end of the end of the job with a check for your services. I'm gonna trade you money for your services and you're not gonna to talk to my tenants beyond saying, thank you, goodbye, or how are you? I've had and, so, and so much trouble out of them, that. You're worried about them just saying like, oh, there's you know, there's other stuff that's wrong with this building that I saw or with your unit. Maybe you should have this done too and build mm -hmm. these tenants' mm -hmm. expectations to have everything done, right? Yeah, here's one of the worst ones. So we have a, a government services contract with a, a, in a commercial building in Northern BC and we had a, uh, uh, heating and ventilation guy come in for a very small job. And it turns out they were fighting over, there's two thermostats and two spaces controlling one unit. And the two sides are fighting over heat and cooling constantly. So what we did is we clipped one. This was his suggestion at the end of things. We left one on the wall that was fake and only one actually worked. We put a cover on both of them. So they thought they couldn't get into either, but that's how we solved the thing. And one is just fake and people will turn it up and walk away, turn it down and walk away and nothing actually happens. It's set to 21 degrees all the time. So this guy came in at two in the afternoon and said, uh, started mucking around. And then over his shoulder while he's on a ladder, starts talking to my tenants who are working. These are government employees, social workers. He said, hey, uh, anyone here ever feel tired in the middle of the afternoon kind of, kind of sleepy, you know, maybe not very productive or, you know, in the middle of the afternoon, you just, you know, just can't power through your day, anyone. And he's honestly, he's talking to middle-aged people who went out for a lunch of fried chicken or chow mein noodles, a massive carb and meat load. 
and are sleeping at their desks at two in the afternoon when all that sugar hits their hits their guts, right? Yep. Everyone in the room said, yeah, oh, that's totally my experience. Yeah, what is it? He said, you know, you could have toxic air syndrome. Oh God. This, this place <laughs> could be poisoning you. You know, some of these old buildings, they left construction materials in here and there's cadmium and fluoride and asbestos. And he goes on and on. I got a call, call from the provincial health officer. 40 minutes later, I had to do full air audit of the building. It cost me another $1,600 plus travel, plus per diem, plus disbursements. So it's just like $2,500 because this guy ran his mouth. You know what they found? The air was perfect. You can't get better air. It comes straight off the Rocky Mountains and blows into my air conditioners through brand new filters and screens and machines that are washed quarterly. You can't get better air. So this guy cost me a ton of money. Uh, he was done. We were done with him. Couldn't come, couldn't come back. So that's why, that's my rule here. Don't talk about anything else. You're paid to do a job, do the job. You, I'm the guy who's hiring you. You talk to me. I tell him, you know, as far as this, if you have thoughts or questions or concerns, leave the building get in your car, roll the window up and phone me. And we'll have a conversation and decide on the best course of action. And I will instruct you what we want. I don't want him talking to somebody in there and suggesting, of course, any tenant's going to say, yeah, renovate the whole suite and put me up in a hotel for a month while you do it. Uh, yeah. Makes me crazy, but that's right. rare enough. That's my rant. Sorry. I'm a bit nuts, but you know, that's what but I happens. think you have a good point. And, uh, I think when you start a relationship with a contractor, it's good. It's a good idea generally to uh, set the ground rules and absolutely yep. to make sure that uh, you're on the same level. And yep. um, I think also it's important in terms of uh, payment. Uh, I'd like to have you guys uh, input on that. So how do you do it? Do you do it by the job? Do you get a quote for the job or do you pay by the hour? What do you, how do you guys do it? It's mixed. Can I just add that last thought? Because that is part of the same conversation. This is who you talk to. This is how you're, how you're rewarded. I will give you all the attaboys that you need. I will tell you how great you are. And I will trade a piece of paper that's worth money that will feed your family at the end of the job. And I will pay quickly. If you do exactly what we agreed to, I will not delay this. I won't run this 90 net or bullshit that other people do. <laughs> I'll pay you right away. I will do it in the form that you want. It's an e-transfer, a courier check or a company check, certified funds. Doesn't matter what it is. I will pay you quickly. I won't dick you around this way but I need you to work for me, not for other people. Otherwise you, we're gonna have a problem. So and, and Darcy, I don't know if you quickly. address this, but I know that when we yeah. talked before on, you know, off air or some other time is you always said to not have, uh, even have conversations with you in around the tenant, right? You don't want to be talking about the job when the tenants are within an earshot. Ever. You want them to go out, ask them, you know, and that's another thing you ask is, um, when you're talking to them, where are you? Like, are you on, am I on speakerphone? And uh, absolutely, you know, could you sit in your truck and have the conversation? Yep. But I <laughs> think it's a bit tricky because uh, it's <laughs> very difficult to control, you know, gossip. <laughs> it is, but here's the thing too. I have a contractor who's a, a pest control guy. And he said in front of my tenants to my manager, these people are pigs. I'm protecting him. I'm protecting my tenants from this kind of gossip or slander. They're not pigs. There's a different idea of cleanliness, but he said right in front of him, I'm not going to work in here. These people are pigs. Well, that's a better conversation out in the parking lot, not in front of the tenants. It goes both ways. Um, it's just, you know, I, maybe I'm a bit controlling, but it, my, you know, my business is important. My tenant relationships are important and my contract relationships are important. That turned into a massive fight of people swearing and screaming at each other when he did that. And it took me, you know, two days to calm it down. He's a good contractor. 
He just was intemperate. He shouldn't have said anything. Take it outside. But that's a really good point. It, it goes both ways. How do you guys manage it? Glenn, you must have, you're, you're dealing from a distance. You're in multiple countries or in two countries. It's, that's a lot. Well, I, I basically, I have my contractor quotes or like conversations. Um, we're usually never on site. Like they, they're not even the people who I'm talking to the property managers or the contractors are not on site when I'm talking to them. Um, one way to do that is, and I like it for the personal thing for it. I usually ask for a, you know, a zoom call or, you know, an IMS, like I want to do see their face. Right. Um, and with just from doing that, yeah. they're very rarely on site <laughs> when they're doing that. Right. They usually like to have their laptop or whatever they could be, you know, sometimes depending on, yeah. you know, when you, when you got a hold of them, they might be there working on stuff, but usually they're sitting at home or in the office or something like that. Right. And that's how I just deal with that whole thing. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes um, I like to deal with, um, uh, have, I like to have a pool of contractors. So I always keep them, uh, you know, I give them jobs and I, I make sure that I have several people I can call upon. Because sometimes, you know, they're going to get busy or, uh, and also I make sure um, it's been a, I've learned a lot, uh, you know, because you go from employee to uh, being the boss and mm -hmm. uh, and I've learned a lot uh, you know, about myself and in terms of control and uh, and not to be um, uh, micromanaging those contractors. And, yeah. you know, I like to receive pictures. I like to know, you know, uh, what what they're working on, but I make sure to leave to give them enough, uh, enough freedom and enough liberty so that they, they feel that they're in charge and that they own they, they own their schedule. And um, but that's been a, I didn't that wasn't uh, from the get go. I needed to learn that, and um, so that's one of the big lessons I learned from working with uh, with contractors and you know give them this this distance. And then it's not yeah. a one shoe one size fits all, right? It's um, because some of them like to talk on the phone, and some of them want, were open to the Zoom calls, and some of them just don't want to talk at all. Um, so you just kind of or maybe you can get an email from them. You got to figure out what works for your each situation, yeah. right? They're not, they're not yeah. the same. Yeah, there is two. Ari's right. I never put a new guy on a, on a, on a highly uh, important job, ease them into a job, find out if they're any good. You know, you don't want to say they're disposable, but you really have to go through a few to find the right fit. Oh, yeah. um, and you need layers. Stuff happens. A lot of these guys, this is a real trades problem. A lot of these, people i say guys because it's mostly men are in their 50s and you know it's a vulnerable age i've got i've had guys have heart attacks on jobs um it it happens um and they're in poor health uh that's a tricky one uh so you need layers and layers of work of, of help you can't rely on one guy as soon as you do you have a one-legged stool that's not very stable mm. so i'm i'm big on that and i have the conversation with them so this is about I have a lot of work. You're never going to starve here. So don't get pissy about territory. I need both of you and I need you to get along. Um, you know, the biggest conflicts are around shared tools, access to tools where they lock their tools up. I have contractors fighting about this guy stole my tools. This guy was using my tools all the time. It's a huge pain. Um, I, I also have that in the conversation too. You can store your tools here. I have two keys. I have one. You have one. That's it. You store your tools there at the end of the day, lock them up. If you leave them unlocked and something gets stolen, I cannot help you. I've given you a locked space. 
Um, and I've got the only other key. And if you lose that key, it's going to waste time as you get it caught again. So those are some. And Darcy, there's things. the other side of the coin though, too, to that. Um, yeah. Because you're saying having multiple contractors and this, this could be one of my weaknesses in my business, but I usually have very few contractors. Um, I've went through lots of contractors to get to the contractors that I, I like to use, but I often use the same ones over and over again. And even when I'm working with new people, they're like, where's the other contractor bids? And mm -hmm. so what I've found is if a contractor tells you a price and a timeline, and if they can do that and the numbers work, especially if you're doing like a renovation, like make ready or a flip or something like that, it, it's more valuable than shopping it around to find a lower price and then finding someone who does a lot of ads. And you, yeah, you're you talking know, from experience. You've done a lot of flips. So you, you yeah, that's true. You, and you it's will, a tight market. You'll you, have a hard time getting three quotes. Guys, I'm, what, I'm just, you I'm want it predictable. Like you just don't yeah. want these surprises. You don't want yeah. surprises. And you could, if you, if it's more expensive, but it doesn't have surprises, it's still worth it if your numbers work. Right. That's why I agree. some people say the same thing with wholesalers and stuff. Well, oh, it's too expensive. Does it work? Do the numbers work? Does it still yeah. make sense? And if it does and it's reliable, then it's worth the thing. That's the other thing is I've been doing, um, lease options with a three-year uh, term. Like that's how long the lease option is, but I still put 30-year financing on it. And people go, that's insane. The fees to break it are longer, but it's all about making everything predictable. If something goes wrong, you have that backup financing to run you right through the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's all about predictability. You want this thing to run the way you're planning it to run. Even if it's a little bit more expensive, you just want it to do what it's supposed to do. Yep. No, that's the worst. Yeah. And the other side of what I was talking about uh, <laughs> in terms of, uh, which reminded me of what you were saying, Darcy. Uh, yeah, you build trust over time. You know, I was talking about micromanagement, and I, I, it's true. You know, you you start with smaller jobs to first get a sense of, you know, how does it work out? You know, do they seem to be good at uh, tracking the hours? Uh, do they work well? Are they actually uh, good at plumbing like they pretend? And uh, get some feedback <laughs> on the first jobs, and then yeah, and then and then bring give them larger larger projects once once you've established some some um, some trust. I'm guessing you have it's, a story about a, a pretend plumber. I have one too, but yeah, they they do pretend to be plumbers, and because they all assume it's just connect the pipes, and sometimes you see the work, and you're like. That's not how it's supposed to look. <laughs> yeah, that pipe's supposed to be gray, not black, buddy. Yeah. You got to take that all out and I'm not paying for the time. This yeah. is the one we call this the red truck effect, but we found this. If you're loyal to guys and you use them. So we had this guy, Dave, and he had wretched trucks, but he was always available. These beat up things where the fenders weren't attached to the frame and they'd flap when the truck would arrive. But good guys, he had, uh, you know, another journey on himself and a couple of apprentices. Um, as soon as he bought new trucks, we couldn't afford them anymore. His every job was 40, 50% more. Um, we just couldn't. He had higher expectations and bills and it just went off the charts. And we've seen this happen over and over again. You have some guys for two or three years and then they buy new trucks and they're pricing and they're, they're just not as aggressive. Um, and we just kind of, yeah, it's not going to work for us this time. And they're hurt. I said, listen, you're just really expensive now. Uh, but it makes sense, on. right? From their perspective, they have more overhead to carry, right? The same yep. thing if they got a new shop or they got new tools or anything else, yep. they still got to pay for all that stuff too. And yep. it's, 
ultimately you're it's getting it's getting transferred to you ultimately oh totally yeah, yeah. you pay and for they it. think they got right <laughs> i paid you for every single hour and every time you made a mistake i paid for that too and i gave your apprentices three hours of experience on this building i paid for every one of those hours you don't get any of the uh equity are you nuts they but don't I risk think, anything and i it reminds me of a funny story i have a friend and uh, and that's one of the benefits of remote uh, remote investing and remote property management is that mm -hmm. my friend, he has businesses in Toronto and uh, and every time he has a contractor coming to work on something, the contractor wants to show him what the problem is and then show him how he fixed it. And and I'm glad that I do remote management because I, I don't have to, um, you know, it takes time to, to, to go and see. Oh, yeah. Uh, that contractor needs his own little mini series on little YouTube videos. Like this is what it looked like before. And this is what I did. And this is what yeah. it fixed, looked like afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to be Mike Holmgren. <laughs> be like Mike. Uh, well, um, what else I threw in? I would throw in a little bit of advice I got from my father. My father's an electrician and a contractor. So, um, so we lived this, I grew up living this. Um, so that's why I'm adamant about paying quickly because I sat at the dinner table with my parents and at supper, my mom was the bookkeeper. They would go to the age vendor list who owed us money. This is probably terrible parenting and, you know, to tell how insecure uh, small private business is, but go over who owes us money. And I recognize the names. I know who owns that plumbing co. I know who owns that sawmill. And I know that, it, you know, they're in Hawaii. We're not, they owe us $15,000 and are in Hawaii and there are, you know, 140 days over payment. So that's why I'm adamant about paying contractors quickly. I don't delay, I don't take them around. But um, one of the things my dad did say, he said, if you want good trades, especially since we have older buildings, 70, 80 years old, he said, don't hire a young guy who's never seen some of these things. You got to hire a fellow, a company that has some age in it, some wisdom built into the company. You're looking for a mid-sized electrical and mid-sized plumbing company that has somebody that's in his late fifties, who's actually seen this stuff, who's actually worked with aluminum wiring or with knob and tube wiring, who's done renovations of, of old buildings and can solve these problems. Cause a lot of the new guys, they've never seen it. Their only idea is, oh, rip it all out. Yeah, rip everything out. Too. I like, I like yeah. to work with people who have experience and uh, yeah, yeah, and they do the job for you. And then, yeah, of course you want to, you want to pay them on time and. Uh... Absolutely. So I look for that. I say, you got any old guys around there, you know, around the shop working part-time who can fix an intercom system. Nobody fixes them anymore or fire alarm system. They just rip them out and throw them away for three grand at a time. Well, I must sound pretty negative today. I've got three coffees. That's why I'm wired. I'm going to calm me down. <laughs> three coffees. What is it? 10 o'clock over there and out West. It's early. I'm out West, man. We're just barely waking up. <laughs> All right, you mentioned uh, paying contractors. You want to tackle that in the last little bit before we go? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's important, like Darcy, to pay them on time. And, uh, um, and what about how you pay them? How much do you like to give them? For, um, after, uh, oh, always after? Always after. Uh, I got, I got, I happened to me once to pay before and, uh, I'm lucky cause, uh, I, uh, you know, the guy is, uh, he didn't end up uh, do the job. There is absolutely zero motivation left. Once you've paid them and you expect the job to get done, the motivation is, is gone. So that, that just doesn't work. I learned it the, the hard way. It wasn't a lot of money, but I learned it and I was lucky cause the guy is reimbursing me now that I had to hire someone else to do the job. 
So I was lucky. And uh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to leave everyone with the two rules. The number one rule, don't talk to my tenants. Number two rule, the red truck rule. Once you see the new red trucks, you can't afford those guys anymore. You got to move on. <laughs> I'll talk quickly before we go too with the, the deposits yeah. and stuff. So typically, uh, it's usually like a lot of my renovations are like, I usually put a deposit of like five grand down or four grand or something to get materials Material? going. Yeah. Yeah. Materials going and, and then we pay per as they, as they complete stuff. Um, mind you, um, when my property manager does it in Alabama, they want half up front. And normally that's a big no-no, but we have a long relationship and it, it does work. Um, but normally that's a big no-no. And if I was going to give you tips if you were starting. And mm -hmm. the one way to keep contractors really honest is to use a loan because then it has to be, the work has to be inspected at each chunk and it's above you. It's someone else dictating how much money they get and looking and someone else dictating the quality of the work and someone's going on site to inspect it. You're going to pay for those inspections, but it really makes things a lot safer because they ain't getting money unless mm -hmm. this inspector says it's up to par and it's good and it's complete. Yeah, that's yep. a practice you see in development. You know, that's how they. That's how it works. If you get absolutely for the land to to finance the the, the construction and uh, you get draws and uh, at every yep. draw there is an inspection and then they get the money. Yep. Yep. That's a good practice. absolutely. Yep. It's Especially good. when you're getting new new contractors, it's a good way to, to, to test it out. Yeah, and then once you have trust established, like you were saying, Glenn, you know, then you can you can relax a little bit and then give a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to say, you rely on them. Without good contractors, you don't get any work done. Uh, you just got a good idea and an outstanding liability waiting to get fixed. So it's necessary. I mean, I wouldn't not get married because my wife had a crazy mom. <laughs> So go back to my opening metaphor of a mother-in-law. Yeah. Necessary, but there's all different kinds. Yeah, we need contractors. It's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. And uh, <laughs> it's true. Good to lay, lay the foundations at the beginning, the rules, and uh, build trust as you go along. And then you can give them a larger task. Okay, well, I think uh, that, uh, that, that was a, a good episode. I hope, hope everybody yeah. enjoyed it. And uh, as usual, if you feel like leaving us um, a review, please do so. And uh, if you want us to answer any questions you may have, uh, you can email us at advancedrei at gmail.com. Advanced no, no, Our advanced REI talk. That's right. <laughs> and for the record, my mother-in-law was amazing. Just so in case my wife is listening to this and she will. I like my mother-in-law as well. So yes, you, everyone better say that. <laughs> you never know who's listening. Advanced REI talk. At gmail. gmail.com. Oh. My mother-in-law at gmail.com. Yeah. My mother-in-law talk. Yeah, perfect. Oh. Marriage advice from three guys who are just lucky to be married. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs>